Welcome to the Holistically Healthy Podcast, where I, Sedona Treganing, nutritional therapy practitioner and NASM certified trainer, bust health myths and teach you how to become the healthiest, most confident version of you. Hello, and welcome back to the Holistically Healthy Podcast. So today I have another guest on, and this guest was actually a coach of mine a little while back and a good like Instagram friend, even though he never met his name is Taylor Seibel and he is a holistic health coach very similar to what I do but he's more focused on the training side of things and he is just a wealth of knowledge and especially in training compared to me and so I wanted to have him on just to give you guys some advice from a different coach that does something similar because I feel like you know everyone has a different life story and you know we get mentored by different people so I think that there'll definitely be some good tidbits of information here in terms of just transforming your physique and overall health so with that being said, I'd like to let you cover anything that I miss in terms of, you know, what you do and, and who you are. Yeah, cool. So like Sedona said, I'm really just, I would call myself a holistic health coach, but mostly in the sense of just understanding that all humans have various aspects to their lives. And it's probably important to, you know, incorporate the physical, the mental, emotional, all to some degree. I particularly probably focus a little bit more on the physical aspects just because I come from more of like a sports performance background, but I've also had some of my own gut and hormone based issues, definitely some emotional issues. I think every human experiences that to some degree. So really it's just like my personal experiences and I've tied them together to make something that I think is fairly unique and fairly uncommon in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. I think you know, something that's interesting and I like to ask people is because uh, you're saying, you know, more holistic and everyone's different. And I think a lot of us come from, okay, maybe you come from more of like a sports background, but I think a lot of people come from just training or just looking for to change their physique. And then usually when we get more enlightened, we understand that the person, the people that we're coaching, like their whole person, and it's not just, you know, manipulating their macronutrients or, or telling them to do four sets of six on a training program. So what for you made you kind of wake up to the fact that everyone's different and it's more advantageous to be more of a holistic coach? Well, truthfully, from eating copious amounts of psychedelics, and just sitting with myself really like I, I was just like wow like what are the deficiencies that i'm facing and then like over time the more that i've kind of teased that out and picked it apart it's made it very apparent in what other people are also needing and just it might sound you know pretty straightforward but just paying attention to what people are presenting with it seems like it's very overlooked oh like here's my ideology around this thing or this thing but i think it's just really important to be paying attention to what somebody's actually saying, like the tonality they have, what the the vibe behind it. And I, th I think that's probably led me further down this path than anything else, because I tend to only lean into things when they feel good. And if something makes me feel closed off or not excited, then I just kind of just don't do it. So I've mostly naturally gravitated down this way because it's the only thing that felt the closest for the truth. I think you're similar to me where I think we feel really connected with our clients and it's not, I mean, we were just talking about this where it's not just money for us. It's really feeling connected with the person. And I think that, I guess that's kind of what you're saying, right? Where like, you know, you started realizing that people needed more help than, than what the traditional help a coach gives, I would say. Where it's, it's similar to me too, because, you know, I 
I found that like I wasn't feeling good about the the content I was posting on Instagram and the type of clients that I was attracting because I started to dive into what you were saying with psychedelics. I started realizing, oh, I'm more than just my physical body and I'm more than how people perceive me to look. And so I think that that started translating into my coaching where I started learning more about myself and how to heal myself physically and mentally. And then I was like, I want to help other people do this and, and not just focus on the artificial aspects of them. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. I, th- I think the the biggest thing that comes down to is just understanding that there's more to the human experience than just looking a particular way. That's only one very small aspect of the whole picture. Because at the end of the day, it's like, well, why do you want to look a certain way? Do you want that for, you know, gratification from someone else on Instagram or you know, for a guy to like you or like, what are you actually aiming for? Or do you just want to feel good in your own body and be proud of what work that you've put in to have a really cool skin suit? <laughs> yeah, I love the skin suit. Yeah. That's I mean, a really good really. thing to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is though. It's just, I mean, if you really break it down, like we're literally just consciousness living a human experience. So yeah. it is crazy. So I would love to know your experience with maybe before you took psychedelics and then after and and what you took, because although, you know, we're not saying go out and eat mushrooms, but, um, you know, I think it's interesting to share our experiences with that because I think we both have had really great experiences. Yeah. So that's a fairly loaded question. Where do I start? So in terms of where I was at before, I definitely add what I, I guess I would consider body dysmorphia for a large, like a large portion of my life, to be honest. Also just like some generally disordered eating patterns in terms of like, you know, binging and restricting just because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I just thought that I needed to eat less to look a certain way. And then I was like, I think I was in eighth grade or something like that. And I was like a bit overweight. I was like, you know, maybe five ten and like 220. So I wasn't like fat, but I was just kind of chubby and I didn't feel happy with that. And my Self-esteem was already low, so it just didn't really help. And then once I ended up getting into high school, I kind of found the weight room through sports. And I thought, number one, it was really sick to go train because I could change the way that I looked. But it was also really fun to do it with people that I felt like I cared about, like my teammates and like have that community type relationship. And over time, I kind of just, you know, like after you kind of exit sports, you kind of lose that to some degree because you're just all on your own again. You're like, what am I doing this for? Like, am I just doing this to look a certain way? I was like, oh, I guess that's the only thing that makes sense. I, I want to look, I want to look good. I want to be healthy. But at some point you'll start chasing the look good over the be healthy part, right? Because it's really not very common that people talk about having a balance between the two, really looking good, being able to have abs or whatever your definition of looking good is. I don't really care about abs personally, but some people do. That's like a cool benchmark for them. And ultimately, at some point, I was just like, wow, this feels like it's not aligned, but I don't really know what to do, so I'm just going to keep doing it. And then I was like, let me just take some steroids. Let me just do this. So I was like, I kind of like this because I'm getting way more jacked. And it's really cool to look at, but I don't feel very good. I definitely don't feel healthy. And then what ended up happening is my one of my friends that I met super randomly in the sauna at the gym, he was like, hey, like, do you want to hang out sometime? I mean, I guess. And then like the day before we were meant to hang out, he texted me. He was like, so are you like a can of sewer? I was like, are you asking me if I smoke weed? And he's like, he's like, yeah. I was like, oh, I, I mean, yeah, sure. I'll smoke, I'll smoke weed with you. And then we hung out that time. And then he's like, hey, do you want to hang out again? I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, 
so do you know how to eat mushrooms? Uh, I mean, I've never done them, but I'm sure I could ask somebody. So like I found them within a couple of days. It was really easy. Apparently a guy I worked with grew them in his trailer and I had no idea. So I found that out real quick. And then really what ended up happening and transpiring was I realized through that experience through I ate like three and a half grams of mushrooms this first time. And I had like a really spiritual experience. I was in this 200 year old chiropractic mansion. And I remember getting this really cool, they did what was called like network spinal. So it was basically like, it's like a blend between like chiropractic work and energy work. And he made, it's called a contact. So he made this like contract contact down like by my sacrum. And then I just felt like my body do this like really wicked wave. And then my soul came out of my body and realigned in midair, fell back down into me. And I was yep, never going to be the same again after that. Like, so, <laughs> so I've really just been spending the past three or four years picking that apart. And like, holy crap, that was totally not anything I've seen before. Then you just realized there's something else going on, but we can't really wrap our heads around it because it's very far above our heads. It's kind of like the concept of aliens. You're like, okay, like I could plausibly see that that's real, but boy, would that really just shatter a lot of beliefs. Yeah. So, I mean, what beliefs did that shatter for you? Because I know you said that you've been microdosing sometimes ever since. So what has that yeah. broken down for you? Uh, I think the biggest thing is in that first experience, my friend had sat me in this closet in front of a mirror, like this big body length mirror. And he was like, hey, just, just sit here and just look at yourself until you feel like you're good. And I was like, all right, cool. When I was like sitting there, I was like, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I'm even feeling anything right now. It just feels pretty casual. And then I was looking harder. I was like, wait a second. And then I started seeing these flashbacks of all these different memories and traumas and things that I've gone through in my life. And they were stored in like these very specific places in my body. There'd be like this wrinkle in my face. And I was like, oh, I remember where that came from. Or this like weird little twitch or something like, oh, I know where that came from. So it really was like, wow. Okay. So those are there, but how do I like figure out how to release those? So they're not there because I don't want those to just be there. Like, obviously if I could see them, other people could see them. It's very clear. So that's kind of where it's gone. And then I've, you know, dabbled in with LSD, THC, mushrooms. Um, really those are the biggest ones. A lot, a lot of nootropics because what I do with nootropics is more like I use psychedelics to more kind of do the deep digging. And I use things like Nupept and stuff like that to literally like relearn how to be a better person, just teach myself and like make my brain more plastic so that I can make real meaningful, actual change. So I don't know if that's, that's basically been my journey for the past like three or four years of my life on the service I coach and stuff, but this is my actual journey. I mean, I think it's, I could talk about this forever. I think it's so interesting because I actually didn't know this story, but I think first of all, this is relative to coaching because, you know, for us to give people a plan, it's cool, but they have to follow through with the plan. And I think people that are, you know, poor me or this, they subconsciously always think they're going to be stuck the same. Like they're not going to make progress. Like I used to be like that. So I think it's helpful for people to understand how helpful this stuff can be. And I think also, you know, I think you're very down to earth and not money driven. And I think that's really cool because a lot of people are money driven. And I think uh, for me, at least with, with psychedelics is it's really helped me. And I've actually never done like a full on trip. So I don't know about my wrinkles. <laughs> what they mean, <laughs> I think I, I don't, yeah, I know. I, I've only done microdosing because I'm a little scared, I'm a little scared, but, um, with microdosing, Oh, we just have to like come to Arizona and we'll just do it in person. It'll be fine. I would see, I would do that if I was around people I, I trusted 
hundred percent. We could just put out a mini retreat weekend or something. Just like get some people together and just just have a good time. I would do that. I can't bring my dog though because when I microdose, I feel like my dog's talking to me. It's very weird. There's nothing wrong with that. I talk to my cats all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a real thing because he just looks like a person. I mean, you guys both are just consciousness trapped in a vessel. They really, they still have emotions and all that kind of stuff. It's really not that yeah. different. It's just slightly different on the surface, but obviously like small and hairy and you're not so small and hairy. No, actually. Okay. So speaking of that, I, something that was huge for me when I started microdosing was nature and I've never looked at nature the same. The greens look so green and I just pug trees now and I feel like I can feel like the trees energy. And I think that's been so huge because it's been like such an outlet, like nature has been such an outlet for whenever I feel any type of upset or anything. When I go outside, I just, it's instant happy. Like the other day I was feeling more depressed and I go outside and I'm in nature and I just feel instantly happy. I mean, do you notice that your nature is different to you? Yeah, hundred percent. And it's really sick because we like live in the mountains. So we could just within minutes have access to really awesome nature, but what I think has been even cooler is to like start to tease out like why those things happen. Because almost, I guess I would almost consider myself like a scientific hippie, you know, if that makes sense. But it's okay, like this is really sick, but how does that actually work? How is that a thing? Understanding, wow, people have been doing this for thousands of years is really cool. But like, why have they been intuitively doing it for thousands of years? What are the benefits? Then I think of like sunlight. Wow, well, one of my friends is a really sick chemist and he taught me that CYP enzymes, enzymes that do like all the really cool stuff in terms of drug metabolism. And if you literally just took like, I don't know, pre-workout, if you took a 20 minute walk before you took your pre-workout, it's going to hit 10 times harder because the sunlight directly activates those CYP enzymes that do all the, the real active work in terms of metabolism of food and drugs. So that's literally just from sunlight. You can get similar benefits from breath work, from meditation, from just nature immersion as a whole. But like, obviously if you're in nature in general, you can't really separate like the light exposure portion of it. So it's, is it the chicken or the egg? But either way, like, yeah, there's, there's massive benefits. And I mean, there's tons of research in terms of people healing chronic diseases just by moving to places like Sedona, having higher air quality, being in a place where it's literally an energetic vortex that it's pulling things out of you. You can't not be in a better place being there. It's impossible. Yeah, definitely. I know. Um, and I think that's something that I would love to get more more into. I think actually now that we're talking, I, I think I want to do that, getting more into breath work and energy work and all of that, because it is true. Like you said, those things are so healing. Um, actually, I have a, when I was younger, I learned Reiki and because my grandmother practices and she also does massage, but she's the most amazing human being ever. But she taught me this stuff. And I was thinking the other day that my shoulder was bothering me. It was like super inflamed. And so I was, oh, I kind of remember how to call up energy. And so I brushed away. Um, I don't even remember what you would call it, but I remember like the movements and my shoulder was so much better. Like, it's crazy. And now it kind of flared up again because I haven't done much to it, but you know, you can feel the heat, like you can feel the way energy influences your body and your health. So that is really interesting. Well, that's why I think it's very cool to combine like the nutritional science, the supplementation, you're tying it all in together because I have like a decent amount of people that are legitimate shamans or energy healers. They just come to me to do other aspects of their physical healing. 
because they're very disconnected from their physical body, their nutrition's off, so they can't be as clear as they could possibly be. Like there's a whole bunch of people like that. And really what it comes down to is just giving people what they need to fill the deficiencies they have, right? So it's like maybe for most people, maybe they're just training way too hard and they need just more relaxation. They need to meditate. They need to get out of nature. Well, what about the people that are already doing that, but they're not training? It's a completely flip-flop scenario. Yeah. Well, that's where the holistic health comes in, right? I mean, I remember signing up with you and you were the first coach because I've been through a couple of coaches because I, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was having my own issues. Well, I, I think it's, and that's what we're saying. I was saying it's really hard to get people to actually follow through the plan because I, I was having some of my own issues. But something that was really helpful for me working with you, you were the first person that uh, recommended like reading for me. And that kind of sparked my whole like, holy shit, part of the reason why I'm struggling so much is because I'm actually more stressed out than I think because you had recommended letting go the book by David Hawkins. And uh, I've listened to that like four times since. And every single time I listen to it, I'm just such a better person. And every time, I mean, one of the things I've been struggling with for a really long time is water retention and in my gut issues. And now that I just mentally healing, like and in healing my body and letting things go, a lot of like the trauma that I've held on to, my water retention is slowly going away. My digestion is getting better. My hair loss is less. So it is so interesting. I mean, you know, it's it's partly the supplements, but even when I was following all the supplements and, and training, quote unquote, an athlete should train, I was still having issues because I was still so stressed out. And I think people don't understand the effects that stress has. I mean, when you're chronically stressed, your hormones are off, your gut is off, you're going to have nutrient deficiencies. Like it's a cascading effect. Yeah. And because we have to understand that if you're living in a state where your sympathetic nervous system is running the show constantly in that state, we're consistently pumping out excess amounts of things like catecholamines, which are burning through nutrients at a ridiculous rate. So why would you have nutrient deficiencies like B vitamins, for example? It's like, well, probably because you actually need those B vitamins to help manage your stress response and glucose metabolism and all kinds of different stuff. Or it's like, well, why would you maybe have like zinc deficiencies, even if you're eating enough zinc? It's like, well, what if your immune system's just super hyperactive and you're just crushing through zinc at a rapid pace? That happens. It's not like an unheard of thing, right? It's the same concept of people that are bodybuilders that are heavily muscled. They literally need higher amounts of vitamins and minerals because their body requires higher amounts based on the amount of energy they're expending just living daily life. It's the same thing. You're just probably a small female living as if you're a very large man. And you're like, okay, well, that's not probably right. You shouldn't be having that degree of a stress response is when you're in a sympathetic state, you're going to tend to have more edema. You're going to tend to have lower libido, especially in females. And you're just going to feel less good overall, right? Having a good sex drive is like the best telltale sign of where is your stress actually at? Like if you don't have a good sex drive, it's a luxury to have a good sex drive. Like it's not a requirement because reproduction is only something that happens when you're in a state of genuine health. Obviously your body doesn't want you to reproduce because it doesn't think that it's safe. Like something about that's not going to add up. So I think that's the biggest thing that's made a lot more things click in my head when I'm looking at blood work or just like assessing a client as a whole. Okay, this person has this maladaptation. Their body is literally adapting to something that it's not supposed to be adapting to. Why did their body think this was its best route for survival? And then it opens up a whole can of worms. You're like, oh, wow. 
that is not what they taught me. Yeah, I know. It is really interesting. Um, there's so much that what you just said there that I think is so important. I mean, I guess something that might be helpful is because I, I ask a couple people this and I've talked about it a lot on the podcast with just like managing stress, but I'd love to know your thoughts on because I know it's really hard for someone when I actually have a client I'm thinking of right now where she's like, I'm not stressed, I'm not stressed, but all the signs point to her being stressed. So with those types of people, what would you recommend? Spending more time in nature and doing breath work would be the easiest because it's going to force the changes to happen regardless if they want it to or not. It's like you literally give somebody a specific breathing cadence, like, stuff's going to happen whether they want it to or not. Like It's not something you sit and think about. You're actively going through the process, you know? If you're like, oh, okay, I want you to do, I don't know, 10 deep mouth breathing, like inhales through your mouth, 10 forceful long exhales through your mouth, and then do like a 60-second breath hold on the exhale, 60-second breath hold on the inhale, and repeat that for like three rounds and then sit in a meditation for 10 minutes and just like let yourself be. You literally could not force yourself to be in a sympathetic state at that point. Like you have to be introspective based on what the breath did to you because it's moving things in your biology that you have no control over at that moment. Like you're doing a voluntary activity to make involuntary things happen. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's when, you know, I tell people when you're in that um, sympathetic or quote unquote fight or flight state, that's when it's really important to like do the breath work because then, because some people don't even know that they're actually in that state until I'm like, okay, well pay attention to your breathing. And they notice that their heart rate is going really fast. They're not really breathing. They're taking shallow breaths. Or even, you know, when I'm working, I find that I stop breathing sometimes. Or I'll do like super shallow breaths. And like you said, kind of forcing your body to actually like take a second and breathe and get oxygen in and relax. So I think that that's definitely helpful. And yeah, nature, totally. Well, even think about your visual field. So in general, you could reverse engineer the stress response if, let's say, for example, we know if you get super sympathetic, and you're very stressed, you're going to have a tunnel-like vision. Like you're not able to see things on the periphery. You're only able to like see straight forward. So like, okay, you can literally fix that instantly by just walking outside and opening to a panoramic vision and seeing the whole world as wide and as far as you possibly can. That is true. That's probably why people that are on their phones all the time are so stressed out. And why I, I find it interesting. So I will have a day where because i have to be on my phone for client stuff and instagram and all of that it's part of marketing and all the day where i don't have a lot of client calls i don't have a lot of client check-ins but i'm doing so much work on my phone i feel like shit at the end of the day so i don't know I, you probably feel like that yeah. too because i know our jobs are similar yeah what i've been doing lately is i'll have client updates I, I'll, I'll just pack in almost all my work on monday wednesday friday and then I'll just do calls on tuesdays and thursdays and then you know if i don't have any calls or sometimes i'll just go to like random locations and just do a call there or just be chilling. Like usually on Tuesdays, we'll like go to Sedona or something like that and just kind of hang out. But yeah, I mean, I found a lot like separating those things and has been helpful. And then I'll just like train on my non check-in days. So like Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday kind of thing. And that seems to have been worked out pretty well to like help avoid that and help like at least undo some of the damage rather than I find that if I have a frequent amount of exposure, like I'm on my phone a heavy amount every single day, then I don't ever get a break. And I don't ever get to be like, oh, this is what it feels like to be human again. Because most people just wait till like vacation for that. But my argument would be like, why don't you just make your everyday life more like vacation so that it's, it feels sustainable? <laughs> it feels, feels kind of like a silly thing to do to be like, let me just suffer until I can have fun. It's like, 
wow, what a crap life that is. I agree. Did you ever hear of the the um thing where it's like life is like a pendulum or things are like a pendulum basically, and so we always want to be in the middle. And so when we swing too far one way, we're going to swing too far the other way. Because that's something that I have been like realizing is because I I would say like I am a down to earth human being. But when it comes to relationships, I can be a crazy person. (laughs) Not actually crazy, but it's because like I spent so much of my life being alone that now at this point in my life, my pendulum is swinging back to like always like really craving relationships and wanting to move fast in relationships. Um, And so I find it really interesting. Same thing with work. Like that's where we work so freaking hard. Or for example, I had a client who was working full time and in college. And then for like weeks now, she's been like, I just can't get myself to do anything now that she she actually quit her job and college is less stressful. And it's probably because she's trying to find that balance again. Yeah, 100 percent. Like some like I don't think a lot of people would uh, I'm probably going to shatter some minds. But some of the best progress that I've ever made in my life in terms of the gym is when I am coming off the back end of taking anywhere from like two weeks to three months of no training at all, just chilling. Like you literally, like if you want to be like a really good human, I would highly suggest taking like, if you want to call it like a macro cycle or whatever the hell you want to frame it as of time to just dedicate that to you. And then grab like if if I have a client, for example, and nothing's working, like we've literally tried every type of protocol, like nothing, nothing's working. I'm like, okay, we're going to take literally everything away. You're going to drink water. You're going to eat protein three times a day. You're going to go for a walk in the morning, focus on nothing else in your entire life. I don't care. And then we'll like add one thing and add one thing and add one thing, build momentum. And then we're like, oh, wow, holy crap. All we need to do is two days a week of training with like 10 total sets. And that was optimal for you. Because if we exceed your ability to recover, there is no benefit. It's only drawback. Yeah. I I mean, I totally agree. That's where it's so hard. You know, like we do those question boxes on our Instagram and people will ask these questions. And I'm like, I don't I don't know. I don't know how often you should train. I don't know how much you should do, like steps, all that, because every person is so different. I mean, for me, I'm making the most progress training three days a week. Like, you know, and, and most people would be like, oh, that's too minimal. Yeah, I mean, if you're if your whole life is training and your sleep is amazing and you don't have any stress ever, you never had anything traumatic happen to you, maybe you could do five days a week. But for a lot of people, three days is just fine. But look, if somebody like I would be willing to program training like seven days a week, twice a day for the right person. Like I don't have an aversion to pushing people hard, but they just have to be able to recover from it. Like if somebody's like, hey, I have this really sick home gym but I only have 20 minutes at a time to train, but I could definitely do it at least twice a day. I'm like, great. Maybe we literally do one exercise for like four or five sets twice a day of like maybe you did, you know, a chest press in the morning and a leg curl in the evening. And you're like, whatever, like it's just going to be what it is. But like you have to just figure out what is the person's capacity and then just work within that, you know, and then you can, you know, improve that capacity too by either a, you could like take stuff away and just like create more space within that. You're like, oh, let's, okay, let's work through some of these traumas. Let's get rid of this thing. Let's get rid of that boyfriend that's like piece of crap that's not helping you or whatever it ends up being. Like people have things that are weighing them down. So if you get rid of some of those low hanging fruits, you're going to free up more space for the stuff you like. And then generally that's just going to get people to be like not sinking, right? And you're like, okay, cool. We're at a nice level ground now. Maybe we could still day train three days a week, but how could we increase that capacity? 
It's like, well, maybe instead of thinking, oh, we have to go to the gym and train like in this hypertrophy style format and just like crush it and get near failure every single time. What if you had some variability in your week? You know, maybe one day you have a day that was really intensive in aerobics. And then you had a day that was really intensive in terms of motor unit recruitment. And you're just like trying to like move good weight with good speed, but like get somewhat close to failure. And then maybe you had another day that was like super explosive. You're doing med ball throws and jumps and slams and all that kind of stuff. You're having the variety. You're still able to make progress and you're training your body to be adaptable to many different things. So, and I'm only saying that because there's many different, that's how I train right now, but there's many different ways to get to where you might want to go. And just because a research paper might say, oh, five to eight reps is the most optimal for this thing. It's like in that context, maybe, but we have a variety of energy systems and ways our body can adapt. You can make progress in a lot of them, all of them. So it's really the, the ability to like navigate, like what does somebody need at a given time? But if somebody's super, super stressed, man, they would benefit a lot from doing a ton of aerobics for a while. A lot, at least 150 minutes a week minimum. Interesting. Because you're building their ability to handle stress. So what you're trying to do is get them better at handling oxygen and having better control of their allostatic load. If you can't handle oxygen, getting out of bed is yeah. stress. No, you're definitely right. I just find it's, yeah, I mean, it really depends on the person. Because I find people where I think they could do cardio and then they're like, my knees. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> then you just give them like a, a long walk yeah. in the morning. They're still they're getting the sun exposure. You, maybe you have them go to like a decent nature spot. You're like, hey, at the end, I want you to put your feet in the grass for 90 seconds and do this specific type of breathing. Like it could be super, super simple as like an introduction. Like it doesn't need to be complicated. And you'd be like, hey, okay, I want you to do, you know, a two mile nasal breathing walk. And then you like start incorporating the breath into the walking. And then you can start to layer things in where they're getting different layers of healing, but also improving their cardiovascular health, also getting more time in nature which almost always helps people with pain, by the way, especially especially getting sun exposure because it's nine times out of 10, pain ends up coming down to poor energy systems development. People just doing the same thing for too long. So your knee hurts if you do heavy sets of five, but not if you do like lighter sets of 20 and get a sick pump. You're doing this like alactic type of training and that hurts because you probably overuse that. But then you're doing this super glycolytic stuff where you're demanding a lot of carbohydrates and you do just fine. Like you're perfectly adaptable there. That's the whole point of like changing workouts in general. That reminds me of something that I found really interesting with with just going down to three days of training was and just training, changing up my training a little bit was actually like realizing that it's not normal to be injured all the time. Because I think that people think that with bodybuilding, no. with bodybuilding just comes like, oh, you're going to fuck up your shoulder or screw up your shoulder and your knee. But that's not really the case. I mean, I know that once I stopped being so stressed out, I reduced training volume, I fixed my form and I started, you know, doing more aerobic stuff and and just like improving the quality of my food, lowering inflammation, all these things. Your body's going to feel really good. And that's where we're talking about the holistic person. When you're doing all these things for yourself. It all adds up and it will translate into not being injured, you know? Yeah. And I think it's important to also even define what is like a truly like fully optimized holistic being like what does that even look like because it's not what a bodybuilder looks like i can promise you that it's just not bodybuilding is not about holistic anything it's about looking the best you can possibly look for a acute moment in time and largely suffering the rest of the time like it's not fun per se it's fun for people that like torture and don't like themselves <laughs> yeah. truthfully like i've never met a genuinely happy bodybuilder 
that didn't have some kind of really deep trauma ever. And I know a lot, a lot of bodybuilders. <laughs> and some of them might listen to this and be like, oh, that's not me. It's like, oh, if you're thinking about it, it is definitely you, promise. But that being said, it's like, what would you define as like an optimized human in terms of like, like what is your vision of like, if somebody just gave you the complete reins and was like, I want you to make me like the most ideal human possible. Like, what would that look like to you? You're asking me? Yeah, that's a question. Yeah, I mean, that would be so that that's kind of what I say to my to my clients. Sometimes I'm just like, just think of a healthy person like that's what you need to be. But I mean, that would be yeah, like definitely getting out in nature, working on breathing exercises, catching yourself when you start to get stressed out and and kind of trying to realize like, how can I rewire that? Do I need to let go of certain things? Or do I just need to like take a second and, and breathe through things? you know, also being strong, but also not neglecting the smaller muscle groups that are often neglected when you're just doing bodybuilding training and, and just working in one plane of motion. I guess also, you know, eating as close to local foods as you possibly can and nutrient-dense foods. And and then, you know, I would say my Instagram self would say, you know, work on gut and hormone health. But really those things, when you're doing all those things I just mentioned, those things will be fine. So that's my idea. What about you? Similar. Yeah. I would just say, I guess, number one, it depends on what the end outcome goal is for the person. Because it's like, if they're like, I want to be the most optimal in this context, you're like, okay, because there's always going to be some kind of constraint that somebody's facing. You know, it's like, I want to be as optimal as I can, but work this super stressful 40 hour week job. You're like, okay, we can work around that. So ultimately like, yes, I think like what you've said is probably going to be some variety of what's the most optimal. But when I think of things, I'm also like, okay, from an athletic standpoint, because I, I like to just view people now as more of like athletes. Like how can we be good at multiple different things? And what I would really view that as is being able to adapt to anything you feel like doing at a given moment, like not having massive restrictions of like, oh, you know what? I just want to like enter a CrossFit competition at 10 weeks and not just falling in your face. You know what I mean? Like having a good enough level of fitness, having a good enough ability to like buffer lactate and all that kind of stuff where you're not getting just completely smoked, I think would be really, really sick. But then that same person is going to need to be meditating. They're going to need to be grounding. They're going to need to be breathing properly to even recover in general. Everything that you said to be an optimized human literally multiplies in magnitudes if you're an athlete. Like you have to do that all plus a lot more to even offset the amount of stress you're putting on your body. And I think people like forget that part. They're like, I'm just going to go to the gym five times a week. It's like, okay, well, did you also bump your meditations up to five or seven times a week too? Because if you didn't do that, you're not going to recover well. Like I guarantee you're going to hit a wall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole, like you said, the idea of the allostatic loader, like the stress bucket, like the more stressors you add in, the more things you have to kind of do to make sure that that bucket doesn't overflow. So I definitely agree with that. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I think that's like... That's like the biggest, the biggest thing on that is just being willing to see yourself for where you're at and, you know, not judge too harshly, give yourself some grace and understand that you, you know, might not be exactly where you want to be, but you're a lot closer by starting now than if you didn't start at all. Yeah. Or not quitting when it gets hard, because if you quit, then you're literally just not doing anything. (laughs) At least if you, you're trying a little bit, you're going to be at least 1% better. That's something um, that I try and tell my clients too, is just when they're frustrated that they're not seeing progress because maybe they're used to the fad diets or, you know, the strictly bodybuilding training, those types of things. Kind of like, why am I not making progress? Like, I just want to, I'm just not going to do this then. I'm like, okay, well, can you imagine where you'd be in a year if you just don't quit? These good things take time. I know for me, like healing my mind, this has been like a four-year process. 
to kind of undo some of the things that I was dealing with before. So well, I think that I, I resisted this stuff for a really long time, like a really long time. So I know that I needed to do the deep work, but I would just put it off. Not that I didn't think I, you know, would benefit or anything like that, but I had this idea of myself in my mind of like the work that I've done to get to this point, who I thought I had become. And it really, it's like a identity crisis really. Cause you, the possibility that you face is that like, maybe you don't want to do any of the things that you're currently doing and you have to change it all. That's kind of scary to think about. If you're like, oh, well I have a pretty good business going. I feel happy within my relationships and all that stuff. But like, what if you started doing breath work and you realize like, oh, none of that matters. I'm going to just go be a monk in the mountains <laughs> and live like the, it's a possibility. Like, it does happen to people. It's not like common. Like usually people just become happier in their own lives, but if you've truly pushed out that much stuff for that long, it's like, I can understand why people would avoid bringing it back up. Yeah. The potential is there for your whole life to change. I know. Yeah. I think that's something that we kind of talked about too previously was, do I want to even do this, the coaching and everything? Cause I, I, I don't know. Um, I was having almost like an identity crisis, but I think that's where I kind of switched to not so much focusing on physique stuff because that just doesn't align with me. I don't really want to help people look better just so that they think they can get someone that's better for them, like date someone better or get a better, you know, job or something because they look better. Like, that's not me. So, yeah, I definitely understand, like, the whole identity crisis. I mean, even my car. I bought a sports car brand new when I was so concerned with how people viewed me. And now I'm like, I don't even like this car. Why did I do this? And and I want to sell it and I want to move somewhere. And so things definitely change when you start I like coming back to yourself. It's not really because I know some people say becoming your high self. And I've said that before, but it really is like coming back to yourself, like who you really are. And are you even yourself? I don't know. It's confusing. Well, the the alternative to doing the work is staying in the exact same spot and being miserable for the rest of your life, wondering what you could have made for yourself. You're like, wow, well, I don't think I want that option. So it's like either you keep moving or you're going backwards because everyone else is still moving forwards. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as true maintenance. Maybe in terms of nutrition, there can be, but like even that's a moving scale. Maintenance is kind of like, it's a thing to tiptoe around a little bit because, you know, if you're truly maintaining, everything else is still progressing. <laughs> so it's like, well, you're kind of falling behind. And if you don't want to feel super stressed, I would recommend not feeling behind all the time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think we covered a lot of good things here in terms of I think psychedelics are pretty cool. I think people will like that because people ask me. I posted about it one time. People were like, when do you do? I think that was cool. And then just, you know, how we become like a healthy person in general and not just focus on, you know, our being or skin suit, like you said. So, I mean, before we kind of wrap this up and everything, what else do you think you'd like to say to people that are listening that can help them just become back to their self or the best version of their self? Yeah, because what we're really trying to do at the end of the day is just come come back to self, right? Because you're you're really born into this world very pure, very you know untainted, and then everything else that kind of happens ends up shaping you in one particular way or another. So, I think the most important thing to do would be to take the time and sit with yourself and just be very honest with what you're what you're seeing and what you're experiencing. So that you can know if like you're even doing the thing that makes you feel happy in life. Because, you know, if you're going against that, you're always going to feel very frustrated. It's 
it's very unlikely that you're going to live a good life if you're not consistently feeling open and happy and lit up on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I actually, I think just being with yourself in general, I think is just a good tip, period, because I think a lot of us are like not comfortable with being with ourselves and we're always on our phones and everything. So yeah, I would say like meditation and being present with yourself is probably a big tip for me too. Well, just don't be one of those people because we both know quite a few coaches that are older now and they're now getting into this kind of stuff and they're like having these like midlife crises or whatever you want to call it and they're like oh here's like my spiritual awakening and they're trying to like be a better person now instead of talking down to people and they're aiming to open themselves up but you don't have to just hustle for years and years before you can like earn the right to be a good person that just seems like a waste of time if you really go that long before you're like oh now like now i'm ready to like open up and live my life it's like we should just be doing that every day you can still do everything at the same time. There's no reason to put your life on hold for a job or a relationship or some kind of physical, like aesthetic goal. If it doesn't align with what you actually care about, then it's not relevant. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think just probably the first step is just identifying with who you are and, and what you really care about and your values. I know Kayla, just for people listening, is Kayla's girlfriend, but she um she helped me without figuring out my values and everything. And I think that's where I was like, oh, I don't really want a car anymore. <laughs> I don't really need a fancy car. So well, the values are important. You just have to know where you're going, right? Like it's hard to make a roadmap if you don't know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I think this was a really cool conversation. So for people that really like you and want to hear more about you, what what is your Instagram? Where can they find you? Yeah, coach underscore Taylor22. That's basically the only place to find me. And I am seeking to slowly inch myself into this space publicly more it's not necessarily something that i talk about a ton i mostly like hint around the facts of like the things that i actually enjoy the most in life on social media but in the near future i'll probably be moving much more toward that and ideally my life will look like a lot more consulting work and like mentoring people to just be a better human rather than necessarily coaching people or anything like that. Just more having good quality conversations because it's kind of a rare thing to find in life. Yeah. I think that's great. I think more people need that. So that's awesome. Especially if you have the the like nutrition and training side of things too. Okay, cool. Well, so it was really great having you on. And you know, if you want to come on again, we could do that. Thank you so much. And I will catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks again for listening to the Holistically Healthy Podcast. If you enjoyed, make sure to leave a review as I will be picking one of you to win a free consultation with me every quarter. If you want more information or immediate help, head to www.wholenothingback.net and apply for coaching.